moving on to the fourth letter. The, we went through just to uh, ground ourselves back into the, the narrative of Rav Hirsch's letters. We opened up with a complaint, a visceral like attack on Judaism. The first response is, you talk about happiness, but who said? Is everything about happiness? Is that really the most noble pursuit you can envision? Let's ask another question. The question is, what's Judaism's goal? Rather than seeing if Judaism fulfills your goal of being happy, maybe Judaism has its own goal, its own vision of the world. And then on that basis, choose to accept or reject it. And the first step in answering that question is to see the world through the lens of the Torah. And Rav Hirsch painted a certain picture of what the natural world is. But part of that natural world is humanity. But humanity is a little bit different. What's different about humanity? From the vision of the Torah. And the reason why I'm, 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 I'm expressing from the vision of the Torah is that we could allow our scientific lens to slip back in. And what would a scientific lens tell you? There is no fundamental difference. There is no fundamental difference between you and a koala. But, uh, but from the Torah's point of view, there is a fundamental difference. Sorry? Uh, so it's, Rivka says at times I can be amusing as well, but uh, I, 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 I can't, I suppose I can't, I'm, it's not necessarily an active joke, if that makes sense. But it's like, I think it's, I think it's an English sarcasm that comes along with yeah. the way I speak. Oh, is that what it is? Ah, yeah, fair enough. So, so we're going to call it, we're going to call it British sarcasm. The world is where it is find fit in. Excellent. And that's excellent. That's how we ended last time. Now, remember, if the world is this symphony, what is different about humanity from the Torah's vision? Mankind has the ability to choose. That's the difference. And remember, we're not doing it yet. We're just talking about humanity. Humanity has a chance to choose. On the one side, that is a beautiful potential. We have the ability to add so much, but it's also a danger because we can destroy everything. What vision do we take on our role in the world as a human being? Rav Hirsch will open up now and I will attempt to read it. I think it goes, I, I am able to think about it more when I read it, even though it probably isn't so enjoyable from your point of view, but just pay attention when I'm reading in case something either comes out wrong or it doesn't, you know, uh, what's the word? The tone, not the tone. What do you call it when you read something? Internet exactly, get all scrambled. All right. Man, what is in this God-filled world? What is the place in this throng of creatures of God, this choir servants of the Lord, as remember, to use the metaphor of a symphony to describe the natural world? Through the Torah was silent. Though the Torah was silent, would not the contemplation of creation, would not your own breast tell you man is not also a creature of God, should he not also be a servant of God? Every fiber of your body is a certain, sorry, is a creation from the hand of God, formed by him, arranged by him, endowed by him with power, your spirit. That world of powers is the creation of God from the beginning to the end. The divine spark, your personality, invisible as the deity weaves and works in this microcosm. He's comparing you to the world. You're a microcosm of a creation. Hashem flows through you. Oh, the divine flows through you like the divine flows through the world. 
he's putting because on the, on some level you would even though today is a uh, it's an, actually an interesting historical point is that if you heard of humanism, mm -hmm. what's humanism? It's universality. Correct. It's almost there's a, an atheistic, I'm saying atheistic just for the purposes of this discussion, a secular vision of the world, which was called humanism. And what is humanism? An approach to the world without a God, that we are separate from the world and we have responsibilities, but we don't need a God to tell me to do this. Now, Judaism has a lot of humanistic tendencies to it. We believe that the focal point for humanity is humanity. We, we believe humanity's thriving should be our a, a massive um, part of our goal. But things have changed perhaps in today's day and age. A secular vision of the world isn't necessarily humanistic, which is an interesting shift from of Hirsch's time. A secular individual would look at himself as being a humanism, a humanist, which meant he felt there was something special about humanity. Where's culture taken us today? Perhaps a bit away from that language that humanity is a cancer on the world, humanity is an, a net negative to the world, it would be better if humanity weren't here. That is a ideas that you'll get from certain environmental sites. An embedding of humanity back into nature is something that's coming about in today's day and age, which wasn't necessarily there in Rehersh's time. An outgrowth of environmentalism, an outgrowth of Darwinism can have the negative outgrowth of re-embedding us in nature. If you think about it, a, 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 a humanist could accuse a Christian of being anti-human because a secular humanist could say, yes, I believe humanity is the crown of creation. Not creation as in God, but existence. Humanity holds a special place. We have art, we have culture. And they could look at Christianity and what's Christianity's vision on humanity? Fallen, sinful, irredeemable needing of Jesus to die. That's a very dark vision of humanity. A secular humanist, which the world of Hirsch was living in, would say, there's something special. Do we have another one? Could you, could you share for a moment? Sure. Hirsch is dealing with a world that would like, there's something separate about being human, and that would be embraced. Uh, but it's actually quite interesting from a cultural standpoint, it's been reversed. Humanism isn't appreciated like it was. To look at yourself as being above the animals is almost what's called specious. The embedding of humanity back into nature is going almost back to the pagan times where you were part and parcel with nature. This separateness that the, I suppose you could say is an offshoot from the Greeks and the enlightenment. There was something special about human reason. We were able to transcend our natural environment. There was something special about being a human being. It's kind of getting lost in today's culture and today's day and age. That's an interesting cultural perspective on, I suppose, Rapunzel's vision here. Should we not also be a servant? Uh, we did that in the divine spark microcosm. Yeah, please. Around, like, yes, but maybe there's this um, anti um, like humanism because we went too far in one direction or something. Like, like everything in culture is sure. always like a, a seesaw, like it's always a reaction to something else. Fair, fair, fair. Could very well be. 
Um, I'm trying to think what the example of that would be. Um, it could be just the excesses of humanity or something like that. Yeah. Thinking specifically of like what you were saying about like this idea of um, us thinking like we're, we should be part of nature and like how that's kind of going back to the pagan poems, which I like 100% agree with. But like it's an issue because that is a response to the fact that humans took it too far and we were destroying our planet and we were treating animals in a way that we never treated them before. 100%. It's like it's a reaction to an extreme. For sure. The, the, you'd call the industrial revolution. Exactly. No, so, for sure. So it's not like coming out of like- No, 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 100%, 100%. I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at individual human beings as being good or bad as being part of this movement. I'm part of that movement. I'm swimming in that water as well. We, we can't escape our own history and our own culture completely. We're all in this world, but- um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The divine spark, your personality, which invisible as the deity, weaves its way in this microcosm and under whose control stands intellect, embody and the power to use the entire realm of nature for its purpose. He's putting humanity on a pedestal. With this symphony of the world, along comes humanity. This mysterious spiritual force in you itself, emanation of deity? Am I reading that right? Learn to deem yourself holy as a creature of God. He's inviting the person who he's speaking to to start looking at yourself as being something special. Sounds childish when you put it like that. But when we talk about humanity through the vision of the Torah, humanity is something special. Humanity is on the one side part of nature, but on the other side apart from nature. That is how the Torah is asking us to look at ourselves in the world of nature. While contemplating the heaven, the earth, the great choirs, course of the servant of the Lord, consecrate yourself to your mission and proclaim yourself with mingling, mingled solemnity and joy, servant of God, since all things, the smallest and the greatest, are God-chosen messengers, who work in its place and with its measure of power, according to the law of the Most High, taking only that it may give again. Now, once again, he's feeding back to the idea of nature. Nature, whatever nature takes, it gives. That's what nature is. If you, once again, a person can say, well, I, I see the uh, yucky spider that eats its kids or something. Yeah, right. Granted, nature is also running tooth and claw. It's a dark side to nature as well. But the way the prayer is describing is also a true of nature. Nothing in nature chooses to be evil. That's not nature. It does. You could look at it um, as automatons. They are living out this reciprocal giving. Should man alone be excluded from the circle of blessed activity? Mister, you are trying to understand the purpose of the world, the purpose of humanity. We're looking at the vision of the Torah. The Torah describes the world as being this whirlpool of reciprocal giving. Should humanity be separate from that? Yes, you can choose. You're the only thing in nature that can say, I'm standing apart from this symphony. Would that really be what the Torah wants of us? Can he be born only to take? Everything's giving by its nature. You, do we think, and what's he, 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 he hearkening back to? What was Binyamin's original suggestion of the purpose of existence? Happiness. There was a hedonism, a egoism at the center of his question. Are you here just to take? The Torah is describing a world. And this world of reciprocal giving along comes humanity with the ability to stand apart. Were you born just to take, to revel in lavish and plenty or starve in misery, but not to work? 
not to fill any place, nor to fulfill any purpose, but to let all end in himself. The world and all therein lives serves God. It is conceivable, is it conceivable that man alone should serve only himself? No, your consciousness, am I reading that right? Pronounces you as does the Torah, Selemenokim, an image of God. That is what man should be, working when, only when, working out some end, canest thou know God in love and righteousness. To work out ends of righteousness and love art thou called, not merely to enjoy or suffer, all which thou hast possessed, spirit, body, human beings, wealth, every ability, every power, here comes the key phrase, that are means of activity, the obda or the to work and to guard, to promote and preserve the world you were given. We were here for a purpose. We are built in the set that we, the, the initiation of creation for the Jewish people is that existence has purpose. We are a mirror of that. We live out a purpose in this world. And what was humanity told when it was given the world? Given the world. When the world was presented to the first man and woman, what were they told? To promote and preserve. The world wasn't given to us. We were given to the world. That is the vision of Hirsch's painting. We are a mirror of Hashem that we are living out a purpose in this world. But that purpose is to give. Love and righteousness, sorry, not thine is earth, but thou hast, this is what I said just in fancier language, not thine is the earth, but thou hast belonged to the earth. You, the world wasn't a gift to you, you are a gift to the world. To respect it. Sorry? Correct. In terms of what? No, it's not being said. So, so the way, so remember, Rafesh is describing us not only as being a, a that which is uh, the, the way he phrases it here, only when working out some car, uh, only working out some end can us know, can thou know God in love and righteousness. To work out, sorry, to work out ends of righteousness and love, they are called. Rav Hirsch is saying the purpose of being a human being is to live out a good end. We are an image of Hashem. Hashem lived out a good end. No, a good end is a goal. You work towards certain ends in your life? But solely by the nature of God, we can never reach a goal. The way to two to, to, to philosophical parts. Look at it as a very basic way. Did God create the world for a reason? Yeah. That's it. The first thing we know about Hashem is that he had a purpose. What that purpose that is, we need, to create for a we need to exist for a reason. We need to exist for meaning and good meaning. Love and righteousness should be our pursuit. We're supposed to be a mirror of Hashem. The, the, what, sorry? Are the humanity or other things in the world? Like Hashem gives to us, who do we, we give to? So at the way he's describing here, at a most basic level, we are giving to the world. We the are world preserving humanity. Because uh, we're like destroying the world. Uh, which means perhaps Rapesh isn't going to be too happy with us if he was alive today. But the, the, the question of what is the reason that God created the world on a, from a more philosophical vantage point, a person could say there can't be a reason because any reason that you give for why God created will transcend God. Your reason always transcends you. You always serve your reasons. You are in service to your goal of being in service. 
because we have a goal of being in Sem, and thereby you will serve that goal. To say Hashem has a goal, philosophically, is problematic. Rav Hirsch just means that Hashem created the world, and what did he create? He created this world of reciprocal giving that incomes humanity. And what is the goal of humanity in this world? It is to mirror Hashem, to live out a good goal, like the world is a good goal. It is this world of reciprocal love and giving. Humanity is placed there to the world to give. That's the way the Torah describes the purpose of humanity. The first thing humanity is told in relationship to the world, la'avda, which means to work, or shamra, and to guard. But the world functions perfectly fine without humans. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Like the natural order. So the answer to that question would be is that, not in a disrespect way, the question not, doesn't make sense, but you assume there's such a thing as the world without humanity. Mm. It's a package deal. Correct. But when we say creation, part of that image is humanity as well. So if you took humanity out of that, there wouldn't be creation anymore. Does that make sense? Because your, your answer is that, yeah, if humanity wouldn't here, it would be perfect. First of all, what does perfect mean without humanity here? Who's observing it? The dinosaurs isn't already a thing. Well, so, so it's, by the way, it's an interesting question about like, before there was a conscious being to experience the world, what was it exactly? Yeah. It's not so easy to really conceptualize because when we envision something, when we vision something in the world, we, we see things in, in terms of their purpose and their meaning. Yeah. We don't just see a blank, like a, you know, a field of data. Um, so I don't, perhaps we're getting off track. But, we haven't finished it yet. How do you know? It, it's it's it's. It, I, I'm teaching Hush. It's it's. Uh, he's 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 a he's a profound. Uh, I was going to say a profound a profound cupcake, but I didn't mean that. In any way. He's like he's he's he moves my yeshkat completely. He's like like. Anyway, let's let us let us pursue this. For this reason, every being being impressed upon thy spirit and image of itself. For this reason, thy heart that this is this is his uh. His stipulation of, I suppose you could call in some way, natural law, the way he describes what it means to be human in this world is that your, your very conscious conscience is in tune with the world. When that, that feeds on to perhaps your point, Sasha, you said, what would humanity, the world be like without humanity? Is like, no, they're intermittently linked. We are part of hum the, the world around us, but in some way we are also a part. How does he phrase this? For this reason, every, uh, uh, sorry, one second. Thy fellow being to respect and love it as such, and as such to endeavor to bring it nearer to its goal, according to the will of God. We have a purpose. For this reason, every being impressed upon thy spirit an image of itself. For this reason, thy heartstrings pulsate sympathetically with the cry of distress heard anywhere in creation. He's describing the human experience in relationship to the world. When something's not going right, you know it. You know it. It says describing what you would uh, call this your objective framework here. There is something about the distress and call that calls to us. Just to finish off the, the point, um, the creation of every uh, sorry, uh, uh, or every tone of joy which issues elsewhere from a gladsome being. Therefore, thou rejoice when the flowers blossom and sorrow when it fades. The law to which all powers submit unconsciously and involuntary. To it shall thou also subordinate thyself, but consciously and of thy own free will. Knowledge and freedom, those words indicate at once the sublime mission and the lofty privilege of man. All forces stand. What does that word say? Servitors, Servitors around the throne of God. 
just stop here for a minute. Everything does what it does by its nature. You are in tune with that, but you can also choose to do or not to do. Hence, the first thing told to humanity was what we would call a mitzvah. What is a mitzvah? A commandment. What does a commandment imply? That you could not do it. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. If I say don't do something, it means you have the ability to do it or not to do it. Otherwise, it wouldn't say anything, would it? Is you had a. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, not like double time, I think it was kind of like curious about like something else. Another concept that, like, um, when it says, like, going back to when it says, like, you were given to the earth, mm -hmm. I guess it depends on when you clarify what the, the what is the purpose like right now it's just saying have a purpose but when it's ever what is purpose like it could be said that the purpose mm -hmm. is gefila and free will and the, the ability to choose good or bad and couldn't someone say that the world would be, is giving you that ability so it's kind of like well i know it's like different i'm just like curious how does that fit in i suppose in some level you can say that but the idea that the world is the playground for your gefila in a way in which case if the so world so we will find parallels between, I mean, the beauty about this as well is that it's not like you're going to read the Ramsal and find this completely, you know, uh, foreign. No, he's using modern language to express, not necessarily the Ramsal, but he's, he's articulating ancient ideas in a modern sense. But just to, in terms of what you're saying, he's describing us as being given to the world. You're absolutely right. If you focus on the Bihira aspect, the world facilitates that. Often things are where you put the focus. If you look at the focus as being the Bechira, then you're assuming the world is given to the service of the Bechira, right? But that's not the world he's painting here. He's painting the world has a purpose, the world has a reason for being, and then along come you. What's your role in this playground? That means the playground has a purpose as well, apart from you. Like, on, I feel like on its own, like just a human or just the world, neither one has to put together and make that purpose. Like, we're both needed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, that's okay. Everything like is there. Like, yeah, fair like, enough. That, that works as well. For sure. Yeah. The thing that the purpose of everything is to serve God and to do what God wants. In, um, no, 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 for sure. The, okay. the question is, what does God want? So then, so then and for, if, for all creation, like humanity, like all the humanity, for all creation, it's part of just automatically it's created to do God's will. And then humans come in and we have the choice and we're still supposed to do God's will, but that's why we have like the Torah. Like the we haven't gotten it. That's to help lead us. To, it's supposed to help us so know he, what to do. He's developing, he's developing it. Let's still let him develop it. Okay. But just to take the, the stepping stones absolutely correctly put, the goal of the existence of the world seems to be giving, and he's, the reason why he's using this sort of language is because he's trying to articulate a goal of Judaism for a non-Jew as well at this point. And what is that, that, that goal at this stage, the way he's building it up over the course of this letter, is that the whole, the whole of existence is giving. And then you're put in the place. And the first thing you were told by Hashem as a human being is that you're also supposed to be giving. Now we're starting to understand what it means, the purpose of, it means to follow Hashem's will. What is Hashem's will towards the world? To give. He's going to break it down more, but that's the basic structure that he's doing. Yeah. He's using the language of love because it's more emotional. And it's, it's a better word. When you, yeah. But how animals, you know how you said, if it's not a choice, 
we wouldn't we wouldn't like if, if it wasn't um that if we could if they were told to do it or not to do it and if we didn't have a choice and we're not really doing a mitzvah like you need right. so how do animals serve hashem when they don't have that choice they don't have choice they do it automatically but so, so you wouldn't say they're serving hashem that's why they won't they're, a, they're a product of yeah. hashem you're not doing mitzvahs Correct. Has its way of yeah. so we can yes. we can use the word service in a different way. When we use the word service in terms of the the, the the creation, it serves Hashem in the fact that things automatically do God's will. Humanity is different because humanity has been commanded to do so, and being commanded implies that you didn't have to, which is why it gets bizarre when people but, look at the uh, but the, but like commanded like even non-Jews have been commanded with the seven no high doors. We haven't even got there yet. We haven't got to the seven no high doors. But, but if we're talking about humanity, then we're talking about humanity, and and just to give you uh, just to give you a direction about how he's taking this, he's describing describing the, the vision of the world, the vision of humanity. The next stage he's going to ask the question is, okay, what's special about the Jews? Then? Yeah. He's then going to give us a biblical history from the fall of Matt or the, the sin of Adam, all the way to Yaakov. And why is that so key? Because if you want to gain an appreciation of a vision of Judaism's goal for the world, you have to know what the purpose, how, how purpose developed. Why wasn't everything good at stopping here? Why are Jews needed? These questions have to be answered. That's why we're going to have a biblical history class. Not really a biblical history class, but of Hirsch's way of articulating Jewish history. Yeah. Why is it you know, that he um, that he describes a, a human who and the end is only himself or his Like, Why is that so dark and so like, no, wait, I don't live like that. I'm trying to figure out why that, why not? Like, why, why shouldn't it be that way? Why isn't that the best way to live? The difference between selflessness and selfishness. The original questioner came with a very selfish vision of the world. He was like, it's about happiness and how does Judaism achieve my happiness? Now a person can go back to the idea and say, no, that's the vision I want. And he said, fair, first here's Judaism's vision. And the way he's describing the Torah is you're right. It's making that sound really selfish. It's like the blade of grass knows its purpose. And then along comes humanity and it's like, it's all about me. It's like, that's not the vision of the Torah. At which point a person can say, well, which vision do I prefer? And it's, it's very much a question of prefer. Do I prefer this vision of the world or do I prefer that vision of the world? Which one do I think calls me as a human being? And a person can genuinely say, bring Christianity into it. I can describe Christianity in an emotive way. And if you were born a Christian, perhaps you'd find it very emotive. But, and, and, and this isn't, it's funny, Rapesh isn't arguing for it. At this point, he's really being very, it's, I don't know what the word is. It's like, it's like a, uh, it's like a, it's not even a philosophical argument. He's just describing the Torah to us. So he's describing the Torah's vision and asking you, is this, do you find this compelling? Is it true? It's a kind of a separate question. It's going to be an important question for us, meaning we'll want to know if it's true. And you, you will, there'll, there'll be ideas or classes that will try and answer that question to the best of their ability. But one thing that the beauty, I think, about Rip Hirsch once again is that most people don't approach this side of the question. You go to Kirov seminars and they're like, oh God, survival of the Jewish people and Sinai and, and whatever else. And happiness. Oh, God. 
<laughs> by the way, I, the, the, it, yeah. I, I've had lots of uh, heathenism and Judaism, weird marriage in the third world. But the, the idea of describing Judaism is just about making you happy. Like, oh, so you're as yuck as the random heathenist who just wants to smoke all day, except you're doing it in a spiritual way. But we're not going to go down that road. But, the, the, but, the, but, the, but simply speaking, sim, sim, simply speaking, if, if we if, often what's not approached is what is Judaism's goal? Does it call you? And that's what Rav Hirsch is doing in this book. He's describing the world and how we look at the world through the Torah. Are you justified in looking at the world through that lens? You've got to ask the truth. Well, the truth is the best amalgamation you can have the truth. But most people don't look at this part of it. You ask a random person, is why are you Jew? Because it's true. That's only half the question. Yes, historically, Sinai may have happened. Okay. Now what? Correct. A way of phrasing, another way of phrasing is there are certain there is a certain number of granules of sand on Bugusofti. There is a number of sand particles on the Bugusoft beach in Tel Aviv. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> that truth, unless articulating a truth, a, a fact of history, but at the same time, telling me its meaning and why is also important. This is basically saying that it gives us that Judaism gives us um, the ability to look at nature as not just to be serving humanity, but to it's painting a picture of nature that we, we that let, let, let's get in, let's get he's going to get more into it he's going to get more into it and draw it down a bit more but let's uh, yeah. So simply speaking, you have two routes at this point. You have the perhaps icky route where a person feels it's his job to make him change his mind. That's very dangerous because that's always dangerous when you think it's your job to change someone's mind. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it can be very, and, and, and they're, they're compelled because they think it's their obligation. Uh, the other way of looking at it is, is you're not a therapist. It's not your job to change people's minds. It's your job, as Rav Hirsch is doing, present Judaism in its best way you possibly can for the person you're speaking to. And if it calls them, great. If it doesn't, shalom al-Yisra. And be fine with that and be okay with that, that perhaps it's not the time for them to go become Jewish. Maybe they never will. Maybe at a later point in life they will. And that's kind of going to be okay because we respect their free will, clearly. And, and that, that, that confidence that you don't need people to be you is also important. You need a book called Judaism, I like it. Oh. Oh, nice, it's cool. it's a good title. All right, let us, let's, let's, so we, we're good. Not only intellectual, not emotional makes it sound perhaps mushy. A, a, a full picture of the worldview of Judaism. There you go. All right. Now, man, sorry to carry, to carry on. Um, appreciate the. Sorry, one second. Uh, thus can't comprehend thyself as a creature of Hashem. I should use Hashem makes it sound more fun. Can at least faintly appreciate the notion of the mission which he breathed into thy ear, cast thee and see thyself encompassed round about by God's active servants. Cast thou feel in thyself power to act with thou 
not joyous joy. I can't, can't deal with this. Greatest quiet of the servants. Nasa v'nishma, we will do, and therefore we will hearken. Nasa, we will do, v'nishma, and then we will, therefore we will understand. Will, we will obey and fulfilling to stri uh, stri strive to comprehend the importance of the command. Consciously and freely, therefore thou shalt be the first and highest servitor in the company of servants. Meaning we choose, we accept by our own free will. That raises us above the rest of nature, but we are also part of nature. And that's the vision of what it means to be a human from the point of view of the Torah. Not by that which we gain, my dear Binyami, can our vocation be determined, not by according to the extent of external or internal possessions which we gather external or internal, in our external or internal storehouse. What does it say? Your measure of a man is not what you, you, not how much stuff you have. Once again, if the vision of the world, if the goal of, of, of the vision of the Torah was how rich you could be, well then how much stuff you had would be your indicator of your success or failure. But that's not the benchmark that we're talking about. Should we estimate the value of our lives, what we accomplish, what results proceed from us, those should fix our vocation. And in proportion as we use our external and internal possessions to fulfill the will of God and utilize every capacity, small or great, for a truly human God-serving deed will be a value as a means of, of securing the ability of such activity. Where do we achieve, where do we put our value within this vision of humanity, this vision of what it means to be a human in the world that we are called, or we are, the best word I, I like is, we are summoned for purpose. And that purpose is to give to the world. And once again, person, okay, I don't know how to sharpness fit into that. Good question, but that's coming later. And when I say it's coming later, I don't mean in another series. No, Rav Hirsch discusses sharpness and how it fits into this. That's what makes this so amazing. He's talking about from the point of view of your average Joe Bloggs down the road. Like Joe Bloggs, I think it's an English way of saying a randomer, a random uh, uh, John Smith or Schmerl, or I don't know, whatever, whatever, uh, Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo is sitting here and he's saying, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to give. Your purpose is to freely choose, to be in line with nature and give. Nasa, Avda, and Ashamra. And how do you achieve your, what's your, what's your, ben, or your benchmark or your, your test to see if you're accomplishing? Not if what you have, but what you do with what you have. Not the amount of internal or external stuff you have, but basically based off this goal, it's what you're doing with it. The smarter person isn't the better person. The richer person is not the richer person. What we all do with the stuff we are given. What is the, no, 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 it's Gandalf. What is it? Oh, sorry, we're saying with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, right, right, right. What is the, what is the thing? Yeah. Don't hate all our two. What is it? We all, but what we do, but what we, but what we do with the time that's allotted to us. Either way, I can't remember exactly, but yes. So, so either way, either way, yes. The point, the point of that quote is, I'll forget that quote for a moment. The, the idea that's being given here, it's the idea that you know, it's not, you hear these sort of things and they sound good. Yes? Um, I wish... Side point, side, the, the, the point being, it's what we do with the time or the possessions that are allotted to us. We are given certain things in this world, 
And the question is, how do we live those out in the world? How do we, how do we utilize towards this goal the stuff we have, not the amount of stuff we have? Once again, paralleling it to the chap's original assumption. His original assumption was, how does Judaism get me things that make me happy? Well, first is, that's not Judaism's vision. Judaism's vision isn't what you can get and how happy you can get for it. It's, and uh, as I said, it, it's, it, it's describing a life of, it's going to sound really negative, but it's describing a life of service. You are here with a purpose, and it's the ultimate and most noble purpose. And it, why does it feel right? Rav Hirsch said why it felt right. It's because our conscious, conscience is in tune with the world. And when we're doing the right thing, it feels right. And the reason why I think he says that is, is one of the big questions like, what happens if I like Judaism? Let's say I, I like it. Let's say I like doing good things. Is that a problem? The answer is no. People say, well, then maybe I'm doing it for selfish reasons. I'm sorry. If you become the type of person that appreciates good things in terms of morally good things, that's a good thing. That's a blessing. Certain people struggle with it. But if you have it, that's a blessing. If you feel good when you're giving, that's something to rejoice in, not feel guilty about. You rejoice in that. It means that there's something fundamental that you're, 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 you're in touch with. We don't believe the world is a random collection of molecules. We believe there is a good existence at the core of reality. So when you're living out that purpose and it feels right, bravo, let us continue. The attainment, truly, the attainment of internal, external, sorry, from the slightest mental power and nerve, what does that say? Ganglia, Ganglia which ministers to it, to the external, uh, the executive force of your hand with which you alter creation and to which the realm of, of nature is subject and which every being whichever comes within your reach, all those are means lent to you to which one day will appear as witnesses for or against you before the throne of God will testify whether you neglected or used them well. He hasn't even, he's talking about the uh, reward and punishment, the idea that there is an accounting for life. Once again, that is a part of Judaism. And he, remember, he's not talking about Jew yet. This is world. This is the human, and, and the, way, the way he phrased it before was for a truly human God-serving deed. This is a universal vision at this point. To finish off the paragraph, whether you wrought with them blessing or curse, there exists therefore an external measure for your deeds of men, corresponding to the will of God. This chap was looking for a benchmark. If you, you also see this in the Kuzari, the king is looking for a benchmark. He's looking for this, uh, this, this, this anchor Aaron Hirsch is presenting. You're going to be accounted for the way you act in the world. What you did with what you were given, it matters. And for an internal measure of the greatness of man, do not extend of powers, uh, sorry. I'm losing this word, what does it say? Extent of powers conferred, not amount of results achieved. What you did with what you got, not with what you were able to. Um, uh, when, when it comes to your relationship to the world and your relationship to whether you are achieving your goals in the world or not, it's not whether things resulted from what you did. That's not always up to you. It's once again a, 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 a truism. You can only do your part. You exert your power. That is what Hashem wants of us as humanity. He wants us to exert our power. If it doesn't work out, whose fault is that? Simply speaking, yes. In which case, when we're, when, whether we've lived up to the expectation of Hashem, it's whether we lived up to that benchmark of what Hashem wants of us. Whether we exerted ourselves to the correct amount, not whether we achieved it. Because the achieving of the goal itself that's not always up to us. But the fulfillment of the divine will in proportion to the powers possessed. Life, therefore, may be an utter failure in spite of the purest sentiments if the deed done 
was deed done be not right, or may, on the other hand, be the most sublime, despite, in, what does that say? Infinitesimal results. When you look at the world, there's another, there's another quote there. When you look at the world and you see someone low, or you see someone failing, or you think you've seen someone succeeding, from our point of view, there you go, through heaven's eyes, when you can see it, you see the tapestry of life, but you only see one little thread. You don't see it from the back vision of God's point of view, because you don't know what each part is doing. You don't know the general picture, you know the specific moment in the now. This is part of the vision of the Torah. Just to finish off the part, if the means did not sacrifice for more, happiness and perfection are therefore nothing but the greatest plentitude of external and internal progression, which only when employed according to the will of Hashem constitute the greatness. At that point, we will pause. The, once again, just to recap, he spoke about the purpose of man. And he spoke of the purpose of man is that man can transcend his environment and as well as part of his environment. The point about man is that he can fit into the orchestra of nature and give, but what's special about him fitting into the orchestra of nature is that he chooses to do it. And that exertion of that choice, that first commandment to humanity, the exertion of the decision, the willpower, that is what describes whether a person lived a successful life or didn't live a successful life. And that- Part of nature. We can be part of that. The beauty about that is it's not saying that humanity is this external part. No, Rapesh is saying we are part of nature, but we choose to fit into the orchestra of nature by our decision. And whether we did well or we didn't do well is whether we exerted ourselves or we didn't exert ourselves. And everybody's exertion is going to be on a different plane. My exertion is not your exertion. What's a more modern uh, iteration of this? It's the same idea if you've come across this. The idea that different people have different places. And it's not about whether you achieved a lot or didn't achieve a lot, it's that whether you tried, because that's what makes us special. Yes. Clearly, exactly, exactly. And, but once again, that is part of what the vision of the tyrant is to humanity. And the, the next time we will we will finish this, and uh, you can and then the, at the end, right? You, I I I I type he, he quotes the whole Baruch Hu Matthias Hashem, and perhaps at the end of our discussion next week, that itself will be more meaningful next time you read it in prayer. Incredible, guys! Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, have to think of it.